Hey, we're in a series right now called Signpost. And how many know that all of us need those fixtures along the way of life that points us in the right direction? And today, we're gonna talk about the signpost of prayer. And if you would grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians, remain standing. Colossians chapter one. I wanna start with verse number one. As we dive into the reading of the word, Colossians chapter number one, starting with verse number one. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. May it come alive in us. It's time. It's time that we go to you in prayer. It's time that we call out on you and see the change that you want to make in us. We give right now this moment, the space to hear from you. We ask that it be done in your name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Over my lifetime, uh, I can honestly say that I have really never been a flosser. Any, any habitual, regular flossers? Anybody? Raise your hand, Guthrie, Oklahoma City, raise your hand. We got a few people in the room that would admit to that. But I just, I just never did. I, I, I don't ever remember a time flossing. And, and I really didn't go to the dentist. And, and then when I was a young adult, uh, for the first time in my life, um, I got dental insurance. And so I started flossing twice a year. Not of my choosing, but when I would go there, they would clean my teeth and they would floss my teeth and then the person would tell me the value of flossing your teeth and how that brushing takes care of the outside, but it's the flossing that gets down and gets the stuff out and how that you need to floss. And I would leave each time with good intentions to go and to start flossing my teeth, but just, I never did. I just would drop the ball. I would not do it. Until one day, there was a dentist in our church that was explaining to me, he was saying, we're, we're discussing, we're on a missions trip together, and he said, you know, if you were stranded on an island, what would you rather have? First off, I would not want to be stranded on an island, I told him. But he said, well, but, but let's hypothetically pretend that you were, and, and what would you rather have, uh, toothbrush and toothpaste or dental floss? I said, toothbrush, toothpaste, I want my mouth tasting good. And he said, no, you'd rather have floss because 
it gets down into the inside and cleans out stuff that you can't see. And I think so many times, in, in that, that moment, that was something that clicked with me, and I said, it's time. And from then on, I started becoming a habitual religious flosser. Now I floss for breakfast after, I, I, I floss in the evening, I floss throughout the day. I've got floss in my office, I've got floss in my truck, I've got floss in my home, I've got floss everywhere, so I can floss anytime at any given moment because I want to be ready to floss. <sighs> oh, it's a precious thing to do. But I think a lot of times when it comes to prayer, we treat it as sometimes how we treat flossing. And really, prayer is that thing that can get down to the deep corners and recesses of our heart and soul and dig out the stuff that needs to come out in our life. But yet, many times, we don't pray. We don't go to God in prayer. We go to God when we need him. We go to God when we're desperate. We go to God when things are going difficult in our life. But I'm talking about a prayer life a life of prayer where we go to God. And I wanna talk about today when and how to pray, but I also wanna talk about what to pray for. So first off, let's talk about when and how to pray. And if you're a note taker, I want you to write this word down, timetables. You see, because oftentimes we put timetables on our prayers. We pray when we're in a fix. We pray when we're in a hard place. We pray when we're in, we need money. We pray when something immediately comes up. I've even had people say, I, I, literally, I, I got this one God that I know of that really doesn't even claim to, he, he wonders if there is a God. I remember there was a situation that popped up and it was an emergency. And the first thing he said was, oh God. You know what he's doing? He's praying even whether he's acknowledging it or not. He's acknowledging that there is a God that can only meet that need. But we gotta take the timetables off of prayer. It's not something you just do when you pray over a meal. It's not just something you do when you show up for church on the weekend. It's something that you should be doing periodically and often and all the time throughout the day. Paul would say it this way. He said, I don't just pray often, I pray always for you. In another passage, he said, I pray without ceasing. In other words, as my faith has matured over the years, I've learned to understand what Paul is talking about. Because in those moments when I feel anxiousness, I turn to God and begin to pray and give it to him. I, I don't have to run and find a prayer closet. I, don't, I can be surrounded by people, but immediately in my mind, in my thoughts, I can just begin to give my anxiousness and call out to God. When I feel depressed, I call out to God and give it to him. When I don't understand what to do, I call out to God and say, God, I need your help right now. When I need wisdom in a moment, to direct a situation or how to administer something. I go to God and say, God, I need you. And all of a sudden, my prayer life has changed. Throughout the day, I'm praying now. Even when things are going good, I don't want pride to get in. I don't want me, it ought to be about me. All of a sudden, I realize, oh no, good things are happening. The favor of God is on my life. Oh God, thank you. I am blessing your name for the favor of God and the blessings on my life. I'm talking about taking the timetables off. Secondly, to write down is lids. Take the lid off of your prayers. Take the lid off of your prayers. Uh, back in February, I had somebody, then the ice storm, it was the two or three days after the initial sleet that came. And you remember the side roads and the little neighborhoods were how slick they were? I was going in a neighborhood and somebody came through a stop sign and I could see their face. I can still see it. They were coming through. They were trying to stop, but they couldn't stop. 
and they slid and I couldn't move. And I'm trying to get out of the way, but it's not gonna happen. They hit me probably going five, 10 miles an hour at the max, but it still messed up both doors, tore off my, my, uh, my rail part of my, my step board. It, it just messed a lot of things up. And then I had to try to get a, um, an estimate, which took forever. Then I finally got an estimate. And then getting into a shop took forever. And finally, I got it in just this last week. And their insurance is paying for it, thank God. But they promised me a vehicle, but they only have one insurance, one rental company that they're using to get their vehicle. And there's no cars. And I'm waiting. And I'm using Uber. And then I'm borrowing a car, and then I get my own rental vehicle that I paid for, and then finally they have one available, and I show up at the rental car place, and they've got this standard little vehicle for me, but I see this brand new 2022 Porsche Limited right there. And I said, I want that, and I want the insurance to pay for it. And they said, well, Mr. Fouts, I'm sorry, we can't do that. I said, can you do better than what you gave me? And he looked around and he walked me around the corner and gave me a 2021 Jaguar. Come on, Rodney's never drove, driven a Jaguar before. I'm driving a Jaguar now. I didn't get what I want, but I got the next best thing. Come on, some of us have put a lid on our prayers. We're limiting God. And I'm telling you right now, stop under-challenging God. I'm talking about the God of this universe who spoke everything to existence. Don't put a lid on God. Trust him for everything in your life. Bring the small things, bring the big things, bring it all to him because my God is more than able. More than able. James chapter number four and verse number two says it this way. He says, you have not because you ask not. Take the lid off. Ask God. But also, let me just say this. Probably equally as bad or worse is that we've got to stop asking God for selfish motives. Stop asking God for just what you want. Include what God wants into it. Because in verse number three, where it says, you have not because you ask not, then it continues on, and you ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives to consume it upon your own desires. I want you to start learning to take the lid off by not only asking God for the large, the big, the incredible. Do not put a lid on God. And then secondly, don't put a lid on God by making it all about you. Make it all about him and his kingdom. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ask for his glory in your life. And then also, uh, trust. Write that down, trust. So timetables, lids, and trust. You gotta trust God. And this is hard sometimes because we want it our way, and so we say, God, here's what I want. We want the outcome to come out like we want it to come out, not trusting God. And if anyone's had children, you, you understand this, how important it is, because as a parent, Jesse, you understand, Rachel, you understand this. As a parent, you understand that in the moment that your kid feels the emotions and they're demanding their way and their want and they're broken, you know what's better for them in the long run. And you're human parents. How much more does our heavenly father know what's good for us? 
How much more the one who knew us before we were even born and knows the end of time, how much does he know what is best for you? Trust him. You know, and I look back now over my life, and there were things that I prayed for and I begged God for and I didn't get, and I was mad at God. And I look back now and I'm saying, thank you, God, you didn't let me marry that girl. I mean, 30 years of married to that versus 31 years of married to this. Come on, God, you are good. And some of us have called out to God and we have prayed God and God has said no and we've been mad at God. But let me tell you something. When God says no, he has a better yes. Trust him. So that's the when and the how. Now let's talk about what to pray for. I want you to look at verse number nine. And we're going to read through verse number 12. He says here, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Your lives and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God, say it with me, better and better. Say it again, better and better. One more time, better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. So what? do we pray for? Oh, let me give you the first one. Pray for complete knowledge. Pray for complete knowledge. I, I, over the years, I've watched as people have prayed, and I've kind of, it's not scientifically, but over the years, I've noticed that people come and they pray for these things. I need healing. I'm, my body's hurting. I need healing. Somebody in the family is dying. I need a miracle. Of, and so there's nothing wrong with that. Bring, bring those to God. People come and say, I'm in a financial fix. I need a miracle here. Would you pray? Would you pray? Um, my marriage is falling apart and we're getting divorced. Would you pray? Pray, pastor. Please pray. Nothing wrong. I'll pray for those things. God wants you to bring those things to God. But over the years, there's some things that people haven't brought to God that concerns me. I, I don't know if on my hand, maybe two or three times, somebody has come to me and said, pastor, pray for me. I'm selfish. Pastor, pray for me, I've got pride. Pastor, pray for me, I want complete knowledge of the will of God and his direction from, come on, there's some better things that we, matter of fact, a lot of our superficial things could be fixed if we start praying for the right things. If we start praying for the complete will of God, his spiritual wisdom and his understanding and his direction and his leading in our life, those are the things that we should be praying for. In other words, we need to grow up in our faith. You see, the problem with the church at Colossians is that they need to grow up in their faith. They were being tested and tried because false teachers were coming along questioning the deity of Christ questioning who he really was. And he was drawing them back to the supremacy of Christ and that he is all in all, the beginning, the end, equal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. This past week, we took a trip with our family. It was a quick six-day trip into Mexico. And, and um, 
I noticed the first day I saw something that my grandson Gideon was doing that as he would point his finger that he had never done before. He was pointing his finger, but he was pointing with the wrong finger. And I mean, he was pointing with the very wrong finger. And, it, and if, I started laughing. I thought it was the cutest thing. And, and then I pointed out to his mom and dad. They said, yeah, I know we've been trying to get him to, but he's been doing that. And, like, and so all, all during the trip, we were laughing about that. We thought it was the cutest thing. But let me tell you something. It's cute now for a three-year-old just turned three, but there's gonna come a day when it's not gonna be cute. You know what I mean? And there's a whole lot of Christians that are living your life, and it's kind of cute where you are, but we gotta grow past the cuteness, and we gotta grow to maturity, we got to move past the baby stuff and onto being spiritual adults, grounded and rooted in the complete knowledge and will and spiritual understanding of Jesus Christ. we got to become more like him. The grow, it's not just a suck on a bottle the rest of our life and to be spoon-fed when you come to church and the only time you get the word of God. Come on, we need people who will grow up in their faith and to become young men and women that are full of the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of God that understand the will of God, his wisdom for your life and understanding in the ways of Christ. That's what we need. In fact, he even says it to them. He says, I want you to grow up and have a better understanding of Jesus more and more. You know, one of the things that I feel like heaven is going to be, is going to be a place of ever growing. There's a term called metric expansion, which scientists believe that the universe is continually expanding. And most all of them agree with that. It's just, it's just expanding. You see, what the beauty of heaven is going to be, it's going to be a place, when you arrive there, you're going to be forever growing in your knowledge of the will and the purpose and the plans of God. You say, whoa, what are you talking about that? You see, some people say, well, when I get to heaven, those things that I'm worried about when I get there, I'll just have all the answers and I won't have to ask those questions. Maybe so on certain things. But there's only one that is all knowledge. And he's God, and you ain't. And when you get to heaven, you know what I believe the beauty of heaven is going to be? We're going to wake up every day. Because on earth, you know, one of the beauty of living life is when you wake up and like, oh, Curtis, I'm going to learn something today. I experience new things. I'm growing. That's what makes living fun. And what's going to make heaven so glorious is that every day we're going to be learning something new. We're going to be growing. We're going to take it on more dominion. We're going to be moving forward because we're going to be ever expanding in the knowledge and the will and the understanding of what God has for us. But we are to have heaven on earth now. Not to wait till then, but now we are to be experiencing the goodness of God by understanding more fully his will and plans for our life. Which brings me to the second thing is that we gotta live in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. Pray, pray that you live in a way that always honors and pleases the Lord. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, people say. Whenever um, we were on vacation, Gideon, one day, one day I was laying on the couch outside um, under this covering, and I was laying there and I had been reading, I kinda, kinda took a little nap. And I laid the book on my chest and I had pulled my hat over my head and I had my knees kind of bent and fell asleep for a little bit. And then I went in a little bit later. And as I went in, I came back out. I wish I'd gotten a picture of this, but I walked out. Gideon is laying in the same place that I was laying in with a book over his chest, the hat pulled over and his knees bent just like I was. I didn't get a picture of that one to show you 
But later on in the week, I saw him also imitating his mama who was laying out. And I thought I'd show you this. Here's, here's Gideon and his mama. <laughs> Look at him. No shades with his Superman pull-ups on. <laughs> Chilling, imitating his mom. You know what we're supposed to do? We are to live in a, such a way that honors and pleases the Lord. We wanna become more like him every day, amen? That's what we should be praying for and growing up in every day. There should be a desire in us to change. And there should be fruit of that that's evident by spiritual fruit in our life. But some people say, you know, pleasing God is too hard. In fact, I don't know if I can please God. Have you ever felt that pleasing God is too hard? I think we make it hard and the devil wants you to make it hard. It's simply obeying what he has for you. You see, you may think pleasing God is hard, but that's exactly where the devil wants you to go. But my God has placed inside you the power of the Holy Spirit that makes all things possible. What you thought was impossibility is very possible. And as a father and as parents, you understand this. It's not that you're looking for your kid to be perfect and always producing. You're looking for your kid to just simply have a heart that wants to do his best, that wants to do her best. Amen? That's what you want. A good father. How much more will your heavenly father? He just wants you to follow him, to imitate him, to obey him. And to walk in his ways. Which brings me to the third thing we should be praying for. We need to pray for the strengthened with all his glorious power. Every day, ask God that you be strengthened with all his glorious power. Strengthened. Human Russell, uh, well-known agnostics. Some people would say they're probably atheists. I think that Russell for sure would say he's uh, agnostic but they've written a lot. And one of the things that they point out, he said, if you're an atheist, he said, atheists struggle with the order of the universe. The, the most brilliant of atheists out there in their field struggle with the order of the universe. They're like, this just doesn't make sense. The way they would explain the universe coming, this doesn't make sense. It's almost like they think there has to be something behind the order. That it's not just utter chaos. That there's a rhyme, there's a reason, there's movement that seems to fit all together. You know why? Because in Colossians, Paul lays it out to the Corinthian church, or the church at Colossians. He lays it out in verse number 17 as he says it this way. They're, they're wrestling with this, and he said, no, no, no. He, Jesus, existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I want you to hear this because that is very important. Because some of you need to be strengthened and built up in that. Because to the degree that your life is under the lordship of Jesus Christ is the degree, the degree of which your life is being held together against anything that you will face. And to the degree that you are not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is to the degree that your life is going to fall apart when times of testing come. Now, some look at me and say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I just got word that I have cancer, and I just got word that I've lost my job, or, uh, you know, I just got word that my spouse is about to d divorce me, and, 
So you're saying that I must not be surrendered to the Lordship Jesus Christ and my life is falling apart? No, no, your life is not falling apart because you've been, somebody told you you had cancer. Your life is not falling apart because you lost your job. Your life is not falling apart because of those things because those things don't make your life fall apart. It's not what's happening to you that causes your life to fall apart. It's how you respond to what happens to you. It's how, how you respond. And when you know that Jesus Christ Hold your life together. It doesn't matter what the doctor says because you know you're going to win. It doesn't matter what your employer said and you lost your job. You know it's going to be okay. You, own, you know the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can take care of you. You see, when he's holding your life together, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. The degree to which you are surrendered is the degree which you are strengthened. The more you are surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the more strength that you're gonna have in your life. Surrendered equals strengthened. Give it to him, give it to him. Which brings me to the last thought. Pray, always thanking the Father. What do you pray for? With thanksgiving. Always thanking the Father. That was in verse 12. So Gideon, obviously some of my stories are coming out of a recent vacation. Gideon, when we got our passports, uh, he had to go to the county courthouse up in Tulsa and got it. From that day on, he's been talking about going to the beach. Every day for the last five months. We going to the beach today? Mama said, no, we're not going to beach today. The next day, we're going to the beach today? The night before we got on the plane, we were all together, and Gideon and Shepard slept in the same room with Shannon and I, and they slept in their little crib, a little pack and play. And so we got ready the best we could, and then I went to go get Gideon up, and I said, Gideon, let's wake up. And I reached down and shook him. He sat up immediately, looked at me, he said, beach today? I said, Gideon, beach today. We're headed there. We made the trip down. We stayed in an Airbnb. And we got settled around for our evening meal the first day. And we're all sitting around the table and we could see the beach in the distance. And as we are sitting around the table, Gideon has this thing he calls green light, red light. And green light means go, you can go do those things. Red light means stop. And his parents told him that because they were trying to get him to stop and when he can go. And so he uses it around the table. So like if around the table and everybody's talking and he wants to talk, he just starts yelling out, red light. And he keeps saying red light until everybody stops. And when everybody stops and everybody's looking at him, then he can talk. And he's like, red light, red light. Everybody, everybody looks at Gideon and he looks around the table and he says, thank you guys for coming to the beach. Let me just tell you something. Your heavenly father's the same way. He's touched when you say thank you. He's okay with you bringing the problems. He's okay with you bringing the difficulties of life. But you know what he also wants to receive from you? Thanksgiving, gratitude. He wants you to come to him and say thank you. Thank you for what you've given to me. Thank you that you blessed me. 
Thank you that you were there for me when I didn't even know you were there for me. Thank you that you said no to me because you had a better yes. Thank you that your will and your way is better than my will and my way. Thank you, God. Thank you for all that you do for me. In verse number 13, he gives some things to be thankful for. And he says it this way. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Go back to verse number 13. For he rescued us. He transferred us. And then he purchased us. I want those to ring true because we've got to understand it. We go through the motions of church and we sit here and we yawn and we sit here and we sip our little coffee and we go through it and nothing moves us anymore. May we never forget what we've been rescued from. May we never forget what we've been transferred to. May we never forget what we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, church. We have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. We have been transferred to the kingdom of light. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout to the Lord. Don't let that become routine. Don't let that become old hats. Don't go through the motions. We have been rescued by Jesus Christ, transferred into his light and his kingdom by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to stand with me. In Guthrie in Oklahoma City, I walked into the nursing mom's room this past week. I could smell something. It was a dirty diaper. <laughs> I just wanted to get away for just a little bit and there was stuff going on in my office and people were doing things. I just needed a room that nobody, is the middle of the day. It wasn't like a weekend with you know, women around and stuff. It was just like nobody. I just walked in there, shut that door. And as I shut that door, I could smell the after effects. I did what I needed to do and got my work done there, but it got out and I was like, oh my goodness. You know what moms don't do? They love their kids, but they never carry around poopy diapers as treasures of what's happening in their kid's life. They leave it behind. They discard it, they get rid of it. You know what my God has done for all of your sins and all of your poopy issues and all of your problems in life? He has cast them as far as east is from the west. He has buried them in the sea of forgetfulness. May you never forget that because he rescued you, transferred you, purchased you by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you need Christ as your Lord and Savior, call out to him right now. And we're gonna open the door and prayer team begin to move around this place. We have prayer spots at different parts around the room but all across the front too. Begin to come, begin to pray. Here's the thing. Some of you will sit back your church seat and you need to come and say, I need to know the complete will of God. I need to have a better understanding of the will and purpose of God. I'm, don't just sit there. Come up and say, I need prayer. Some of you need healing. Some of you got issues you're going through. Take the lid off of God and believe him to do great and mighty things and trust him with the outcome. Trust him with what he does. He knows better than you. Father God, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, as you're redeeming people, encouraging people, transferring people from darkness into light, bringing healing, deliverance, touch lives right now, move among us 
In your name I pray, amen.